Okay, welcome to Pat's Cast, the unofficial Regina Pat's podcast. I'm Matt. Chris. This is episode two for May 6th, 2018. Okay, welcome to Pat's Cast. Today is our Bantam Review Draft episode. Uh, we have a really good interview coming up with Brennan from DraftGeek.ca. He provided us a lot of insight on these players that... Uh, Frankly, we don't know too much about, but this guy and his crew put in a lot of work looking at these guys, and he has some really great information on the future of our team. Yeah, he, uh, he's been out there. He's seen some of these players play, and as well as the other scouts that he uh, he deals with. So they've got some eyes on these kids. So before we get to that interview, we just want to talk about some of the draft day deals and leading up to the draft that we did. So day of draft, pick up. Justin Gurney, 17-year-old from Calgary. Uh, he was originally a sixth-round draft pick with Calgary, and we gave up a sixth-round draft pick for him. So pretty even trade there. Uh, not terribly stellar stats. One goal, three assists with Calgary this year in 54 games. Paddock was hoping... I mean, they obviously see something in this guy. They mentioned change of scenery being something that could uh, get him maybe back up to the level that they, they see in him. Yeah, you know, just a, another body for next year. You know, we're going to be struggling to find players for next year. We're going to lose a lot of guys, so... It's a lot of holes. A lot of holes we're looking at for next year. Yeah. Um, so he had some potential. He had some pretty decent stats in his uh, major midget season, last right. major midget season, right. so... Good, so, uh, yeah, welcome, Justin, to Regina Pats. We hope to see him next year, make an impact with us. Assigning a couple of weeks ago, uh, Garrett Wright out of Mesa, Arizona... Uh, we don't know too much about him. I don't think we had anybody that's seen him, but uh, he had uh, had some good stats down playing in Anaheim for the Junior Ducks. So he's already uh, made some uh, some travel to play some hockey, and it looks like he's pretty committed signing with us. So I know another body for next year. Um, he had a two-game stint in the USHL, so that's the top-tier junior league in the states. So uh, you know, probably as a young guy. Got a got a couple games in there. Got some experience. Um, it's, congratulations to uh, Cole Sillinger getting drafted eleventh uh, overall to the Medicine Hat Tigers. Would have been obviously we don't have a pick high enough to get anyone like that, but boy, that would have been that would have been a nice story to get. Uh, yeah, well, we do some, have his brother. So oh, okay, Lucas. Okay, is a prospect. Prospect. Okay, it would have been nice to. Get another one of the the Cylinder lineage, obviously a great uh, Regina Pat pass player and really successful NHL player. All right, we'll get into the interview now with Brennan from DraftGeek. Again, thanks Brennan for doing this with us. We just want to thank you first off for doing this. We want to get a yeah. bit of information. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No, no, thank you. We want to get a bit of information from you why don't you just give us a bit of a story about who you are and frankly why you're doing what you're doing it seems like a lot of work you're putting into uh 
something that's a little, little bit obscure. Yeah, it's sort of a niche market there, tracking the uh, Bantams for an entire year when you're not really associated with any organization, but it's sort of how you have to work your way up and, and network with those guys at the rink, and if if you're not there and you're not going to the games, you don't really have anything to really push yourself into a position like that down the road. Yeah, so, so I started about... I started following Major Junior about three or four years ago, and that's when I got my first um, Western Hockey League pass and got to scout all those games. And then uh, moved on to the Bantams. Last year was my first year started doing that, and then uh, just sort of progressed from there, and now we're going into our third season next year. Okay, so it's like a long-term kind of project you want to get scouting and, you know, yeah, levels. sort of a way to yeah, a way to profile our work and then eventually work our way into like a management or scouting position down the road. What's your background right now? Are you are you involved in hockey at all or are you what are you doing? I'm only scouting with DraftGeek right now and uh we're sort of looking at what we're gonna pursue next year, but probably just gonna do another full year scouting um really the uh alberta region but we do we do track all four provinces and um the cssHL especially they're getting a lot more high-end players now as you could probably see in the draft results there yeah mm-hmm. for sure good how many are involved in draft geek then uh so it's me and my friend Braden and then we have a scout in Winnipeg we have a scout in uh, Saskatoon, Swift Current, um, and then me and Braden pretty much cover Alberta, BC, and then we get those guys to cover the two eastern provinces. Good. Who's your main target for these these projections? Who's who's buying these guides? Uh, it's primarily parents, and uh, we have a good amount of scouts and a couple general managers that buy it every time but mm-hmm. yeah I, I would say the it's it's pretty much parents that get it yeah i think it's it's amazing work we were looking through and i'm thinking who's who's putting all the time to this, this yeah is, <laughs> it's impressive yeah <laughs> yeah we were really yeah, impressed think, yeah it's sort of it's it's funny because we've gotten a lot of feedback and compliments on the work we're doing but to us we're still like one-fifth or one-sixth of where we want to be so hopefully next year's guide is a even bigger jump and i'm sure it'll be it'll be seen no that's fantastic i mean we're big supporters of the whl and junior hockey so even this this is even better to get uh this foundation and um the information for us and fans and everything i think it's awesome going forward yeah no it's great it's a Junior hockey is a really interesting. It's like a community you become part of, and it's really supportive. It is. We've noticed that even just starting this podcast recently, uh, everyone reaching out and helping each other and people being more than willing to uh, lend some time and information that we know and they know to uh, sharing on podcasts and whatnot. So it is. It's a really, it's a unique, uh, pretty tight community. Regina didn't have many... uh... Many high takes this no. year, but good. Still so, got a couple guys. 
Yeah, so why don't we get into some of the picks we did get here. Um, again, we didn't have a lot. Traded up into the fourth round. We picked up from Victoria. Gave up, uh, what did we give up? A fourth round and an eighth round next year to get up into the fourth. Otherwise, we would have started in the sixth. Picked up Jake, how do you say his last name? Snazzle? Uh, Snashel. Snashel, good. Uh, out of Calgary. Yeah. Um, you had a little excerpt on your guide there. Do you know any... Any other information on him? Any any insight? Yeah, well, Jake, he, he was an interesting prospect this year. He missed the first part of the year. Just I think it was a, he had something broken. It was either an arm or a leg, I think. <laughs> uh, but when he came back, he was pretty impressive, but sort of just kept improving on the year. And he's a guy who he's bigger and can play physical, so he's a bit more confident at this level. And sometimes that... He, you have to sort of toe the line there, but moving forward into into midget and junior, he's one of those guys that if he continues to to get heavier, get stronger, he could be probably a top six winger down the road. It's funny you say get heavier. We're looking through and we're kind of reading through and we think these guys, man, they're 140 pounds, 150 pounds. Then you start thinking about it. These are 13, 14 year old kids, right? Like it's, they're just children almost out there and, um, trying to predict how they're going to be, how they're going to mature and become a young adult into men. I mean, that's people change a lot over that that those time that those years in their life, right? So that's got to be a challenging part of of looking at these kids. Um, yeah. I imagine the programs they come from, though. You must good coaching and and things like that must be a big factor. Yeah, as long as they have the the skill level and they're in a program where they're able to keep on developing, as long as they get to a point, like there is a certain height and weight where you have to say, well, if he gets hit, he's probably not going to play many more games in our league. So if I usually say around 5'7", we've seen guys like Alex Debrinke come through, but at this age, you like your your sixth round pick, 130th overall, uh, Dalen Weagle. He's only five six one nineteen. Yeah, yeah. But two three years down the road, he could shoot up. Even if he's five ten five eleven, that's there's no problem there in the in the Western Hockey League. So it it's difficult to to project, but you can also do a lot with players at sort of every size. Yeah, for sure. And I know our head scout was really um, really discussing a couple of guys that had some NHL bloodlines and they, you know, kind of project, you know, what the dad is like, right? So, you know, this guy, you know, has a potential to grow, right? So they look at the dad and say, hey, oh, this guy can grow and get thick. Yeah, exactly. And, and not just parents. They look at brothers, cousins. Like, there's a lot of your... Actually, your funny story, your ninth rounder, uh, Adam Grenier, his he's um, I believe five six right now. Yeah, hundred and thirty. He has a cousin who's six four. So hmm. you never really know where those guys are gonna go to. Good. So you, you just touched on uh Dylan Wager a little bit. He's out of Warman. It's I think the only Saskatchewan guy we picked up, which uh it's too too bad, I guess. We like to have homegrown talent, but um small guy coming in. Um, defenseman as well. So. Yeah, that's small for defenseman. Like Paddock said, I think 
if you look at our roster going into next year, boy, we we have a lot of holes to fill. I don't know if they're just trying to fill holes here or what's going on, but um, any insight on him? I noticed he wasn't on the, the guide, so if not, that's all right. But uh, any more on him? Yeah, no, we didn't have him in our rankings, but he it was more of a, where we project him and sort of the size. And there's certain players where you get into debates where you have to question whether they're going to be elite junior A players or if they have what it takes to take that step and become a major junior player, which when you're looking at size factors, you're looking at that, that becomes even harder to project. But he was a captain of the of the Wildcats, and they made it to the uh, they won the league, made it to the Western Championship. Uh, he's he's a good skater, um, good puck skills, but just a guy who will see in two or three years what happens. Yeah, it's all about that uh, size and height development. Hey, it's such a unique league, too, yeah. right? You're thinking. Like we're saying, these guys coming in, they're young, they're small, but they're playing, frankly, men in some instances, you know, 19, 20-year-old men. It, it it must be such a tough jump to go from uh, midget into the into the dub or any junior hockey for that matter. Yeah, especially when you're, when you're skilled enough that you're playing higher in the lineup and you have to face those you know, top-notch physical defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it can be a bit of an adjustment, but it seems as though as we're moving forward, the players are a bit more prepared for that because the I, w- I would say the Midget Prep League in the CSSHL has done a really good job sort of mimicking the, I guess, style the WHL plays. So the players coming out of there are, you know, they can transition a bit quicker and i mean you saw that with dylan cousins down in lethbridge this year who just tore it up one rookie of the year Mm -hmm. uh moving forward is probably a top 20 nhl draft pick yeah like he stepped in the playoffs last year there and even looked good against us you know yeah exactly as a 15 year old and it's not yeah it's not just the just the academy programs that are doing it i mean the the Saskatoon uh, Major Midget League, they're doing a great job. They always put a high number of kids in the league. So, I mean, size is a factor, and especially when these kids, are they're so solid. Like, you look at how a guy like Sam Steele matured physically, and he's such a balanced and, and solid physical player now that you never really would have thought that when he came into the league. Yeah, no, for sure. It's tough to knock him off the puck, so. Good. So next pick, uh, Colby Watton out of Manitoba, 5'10", 141 pounds. Uh, Paddock says he's about a third-line potential, chance to move up. Good frame, strides well. Sees him. I don't know if you know who Logan Nyhoff is with us, but he made a comparison to him uh, regarding Colby. Yeah, I didn't get to see Colby live at all this year, but our scout had pretty high praise for him. He's a late birthday, too, which is always something that scouts look at. Um, Over a point per game, had 24 goals, 24 assists. Uh, Yeah, I think he's probably a guy who's going to step into their midget uh, AAA program next year and then sort of 
it's it's a big development year for a guy in that position. Anyone really taken after the the fourth round, so between five to I would say seven or eight, those guys potentially could step in after a year, but uh, he'll probably need another year or two before you really know what he'll be. But yeah, I would say probably a middle six, middle six forward moving forward. Just touching on, you know, looking at their stats, 33, 35 games, that must be a tough transition too, going from, you're basically doubling your games, and I imagine practices are uh, quite a bit more frequent. Uh, tough on growing bodies, right? Hey, that, that's that's a big step. Yeah, especially for the first year, and I think that's why you see some higher-end guys maybe sit out a bit more throughout the regular season. Uh like guys who are in their first year coming out of midget. Mm-hmm. But I mean, some of the kids have shown that it, they can handle it no problem. But I mean, another problem that you look at is with the U.S. National Development Program is the guys who are going down there are playing around 100 games a year. And you look at uh, the Western Hockey League, who's now down to 68. And that actually becomes a bit of a factor in the recruiting process because these guys have a chance to play so many more games. And it's there's a lot of factors that draw players in from the U.S. But if you were able to pull a player like Ty Smolanich, that sort of gets the retooling process on a bit quicker. And I'm not really sure what what route he's planning on heading down, but a guy like him, if you brought him in, that would be do a lot to your franchise. Yeah, no, for sure. That that was a high pick, you know, third round last year. But, you know, it's still up in the air whether or not what what route he's going. So, Do you think, uh, just speaking of American players, is the NCAA starting to pull away players that we would normally get? Or is that more of a viable option for players now? Is it is it getting stronger? Well, it's, it's becoming more competitive, I would say. And, I mean... Even a player, there's a player out in, uh, I think, Victoria, who's uh, probably going to be, or would be a top three pick if he came to the league next year, but he already committed to, I believe, the University of Wisconsin. So, yeah, when you have 13- and 14-year-olds making verbal commitments, it, it does a lot to sort of the landscape of where where teams are comfortable drawing players from and I mean Aiden Hrashchuk, uh PG got him in the fifth round this year he would have been probably the first overall pick if he uh, chose to come. You even notice in the NHL entry draft a lot more coming from NCAA. Yeah and a lot a lot of guys developing later on in their career too around 22, 23 and then making the jump. Yeah for sure you know we picked up Nick Henry you know he was committed but we, we we sent a pick to Everett, and then I guess we, we uh, wooed him to stay here. So Yeah, and he's been a great player over the past couple of years. Yeah, no, definitely. That was a good pickup for whatever we sent. I don't know, it was a, a later round pick. So Okay, moving on to round eight, we got defenseman Parker Berg out of Edmonton, 5'10", 147. Sounds like that's a pretty good frame to grow into, you know. Paddock says uh, yep. more of a number five defenseman. So, yeah. Yeah, I got to see him quite a bit this year on that CAC team. Definitely 
projects as a depth defenseman, but he's he's pretty defensively sound, more physical style, and he's got good size and put up all right numbers, and we'll see how that trends in the next year if he's able to make the jump up to midget AAA and if he's able to maybe keep those numbers up and keeps developing as a skater, he might be a guy who they look at as a depth guy within the next two years. So it's, it's, it's funny with most of these prospects, it's we'll see, we'll see, but that's pretty much how it is. And sort of why I'm an advocate of moving the draft ahead of year, but that's another story. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Right. You know, they're so, so young yet and, and small. You never know, right? Yeah. Okay, round nine, we got Adam uh, Grenier. Oh, no, Coquitlam, 5'6", 130. Yeah, we touched on his his size there. That's, uh, that's small, but I, we have a small guy now, Cole Dubinsky, playing with us. He's, he played a couple games, uh, so it's not a total knock against him, but... I mean, you have to you have to play pretty hard. John Paddock even yeah. says here he plays outside of his stature, so you never know, right? Yeah, sort of with the style he plays, uh, it doesn't really impact him too much. Being like a not overly physical forward, he's smaller like that. He works well off the wall and sort of creates plays more. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy who will get the puck on the wall, jump start the the transition and work his way in off the rush and he doesn't control the puck too much in the offensive zone but he's quick he can he can find guys who are open right right near the crease and yeah he'll he'll play on that elite 15 team next year and hopefully continues to produce and mm-hmm. and gets a little a little bigger Good. Um, so next guy was Marcus Taylor. I noticed you guys had him, we drafted him round 992 over tall, overall. You had him ranked number 40. Something happened between the rankings, and why did he, why did he fall so low? No, we had him, uh, we had him 40. Uh, we actually, <laughs> after the first round, talked to a, a few different guys, uh, or sorry, after the second round, and uh who had projected him as well in the, in the second round. So we weren't really too sure why he was falling. There might be a possible verbal commitment to a, to an NCAA team that we weren't aware of. Maybe he just fell because, you know, teams saw something else in him, but we really like him. He's a good uh, defensive two way defenseman, um, good skater skill wise. He's at a high level. Uh, there's some strength to his game. Uh, he'll, he's sort of a reliable sort of number five guy when, when you look at him at a, as a 18, 19, 20 year old. So we'll, we'll see what happens with him. I wasn't too sure why he fell actually. Yeah. It could be a steal. That'd be nice. Yeah, for sure. Like in terms of defensemen from this class, he was at a skill level, equal to those who were probably going in the in the fifth round fourth round i'd say yeah so there was it's such a different group of defensemen in terms of style that you could choose from that maybe teams just opted for more offensive defensemen or something else there yeah 
So the next two, these two American guys, we got Jake Johnson out of Scottsdale, Easton Armstrong out of LA. Almost kind of feel like throwing darts. Uh, doesn't really sound like they know too much about these guys, other than their lineage more than anything. It sounds like our uh, head scout was uh, saying that they kind of want to make a little bit of inroads into that Phoenix area. And you said there's lots of players down there, and uh, this Jake Johnson's uh, a family friend with. Um, Garrett Wright, who we just signed a couple weeks ago, he's out of Mesa. So, you know, he's like, well, we'll throw a couple guys in and see if we can make some inroads. And then Easton Armstrong, his dad played for John Paddock in the AHL. So, you know, these sound like uh, some speculation, but who knows, maybe you could hit one. Yeah, maybe down the road one or two of these guys come. I mean, I got to see... Jake Johnson at the John Reed tournament, and he was a guy who I thought if he was playing in, say, northern Alberta or Saskatchewan, he's probably probably going to be a bit higher, probably in the fifth or sixth round area. But, he's yeah, he's a skilled two-way guy, and if they're able to land a couple of these Americans, that helps out even more. But, yeah, 10th round, 11th round is sort of just... Yeah, throwing throwing darts at the wall there. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, Colby Bear, a forward out of uh, Manitoba, six foot, one hundred and seventy one. So he's got some size on him already. That's uh, that could be good for us. Um, yeah, probably not too much on him. Uh, round eleven again. Yeah, we're just looking filling holes at that point probably. Yeah, and. Like a guy who put up a, with that size and able to put up a point per game, you're sort of just watching him, seeing where he fits in next year, how he progresses, and maybe there's something down the road. But yeah, good size and good skating, so we'll see. So most of these guys are, we're not expecting to see playing with us next year, or what are you thinking? I mean, when we look at our roster, we're losing a lot of guys through, uh, well, aging out as well as moving on to the AHL, probably all have NHL contracts. We we have a lot of holes. You think any of these guys are are ready to make that jump? Well, these guys won't be able to for a year because they have to sit out. But once the ninety nine group is at their tw- is twenty, um, I I think. Maybe Snashel will be able to play as a um, as a depth guy and maybe gets his feet wet in the league. Uh, Jake Johnson would be interesting if they're able to bring him in. Um, he might stick around, but other than that, I would say uh, they'll probably be picking up some forwards through free agency and. Yeah, it's interesting to see what'll happen next year with uh with the team like guys like Kobe Morrisow will either will see if they he can make a jump to become the top line center. I guess they hope they he can be. Uh a guy like Ty Smolanich, if he was able to or if they were able to bring him in, he would be a big addition and probably probably wouldn't be a, a top six guy immediately, but within two years he's he's up there and you'll have to see with guys like maybe Lasician and Henry if they choose to move those guys because they traded away their next two first round picks 
Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe pick up some picks and some prospects be, because you know they're not going to be back next year with the amount of guys moving out. So right. it's almost do they wait until the trade deadline before they do that? Maybe. But if they do it earlier in the year, maybe you you have a better idea of what, what you'll be moving forward. Yeah, we're not too confident in a, in a stellar year next year for the pets but uh yeah <laughs> but you know it's all part of the process right it, it you get to know these guys now you see how they rebuild we we both trust the uh the staff here and the the leadership with paddock and gms and whatnot um so it's not gonna probably be a maybe not even be a playoff year but i mean that's part of junior hockey it's cyclical it goes through, you have, you have rebuilding years, and it, it might be kind of fun to get in on it right now and get to know these guys and watch them develop over the next few years and who knows, maybe make another run here in the next couple of years. Yeah, and that's that's how it is. And I mean, getting to see your team in the Memorial Cup, that's that's as good as it gets. That's the goal. But I, I, I would also have confidence with that management group. I know a lot of their scouts and really intelligent group of guys and as long as they can bring in these guys and I mean, probably have to pick up a couple first round or second round picks over the next couple of years, but they're able to do that. I think the rebuilding process would be pretty quick and they'd be back on their feet before they knew it. Good. I think, well, that that's all our picks. Um, why don't you let everyone know how they can get a hold of you and what, what they're looking for, what you have to offer? Yeah, for sure. You can find all of our info and our 2018 WHL draft guide at draftgeek.ca uh, also on Twitter at draftgeekhockey um, yeah that's pretty much it okay right on thanks for your time yeah um, thanks a lot alright cool all right, yeah. thanks again keep up the good work okay yeah thanks for having me on anytime you guys need anything uh, just give me a text or whatever works for you yeah, yeah. sure good alright see you alright see you guys Thanks, Brennan, from DraftGeek for that again. Great insight on uh, some upcoming players in our system. Probably won't see any of these guys next year, but looking forward to the next couple of years, rebuilding years, I think uh, we have some good prospects here going forward. Yeah, got some potential, so see what happens in a couple of years. Right on. So it is May 6th. We've, we're two games into the WHL final. Since we don't have any Pats relevant news to talk about right now, we may as well talk about them. Uh, we got Swift, Kern, Everett. Playing game two was last night. Boy, after that first game, Everett looked pretty good. It was a close game. Everett came out strong. Game two. Boy, I, I didn't expect Swift Current to do what they did. You know, they're up three nothing. Everett's up three nothing. I thought uh, I thought Swift Current would have a little more um, urgency in the first period, but you know, they got Everett got the first one. The second one was a little weak, and then it yeah, they didn't look good at all. But they sure poured it on in the third period. So you have Everett up three nothing, and we're talking. Okay, Swift Current's got to score four goals on Carter Hart and a good defensive team. Not looking good right now, but they yeah. did it. Yeah, it's surprising. Like uh, last time that happened to Everett, it was uh, November thirtieth, twenty fourteen. They were up on Kootenay three nothing and lost four three in overtime. That was three hundred and ten games ago. Right. So this was uh, this is a monumental comeback by the Broncos. I don't know if it was as much as Everett not playing well and Swift Current stepped it up. I mean, that's always the age-old question. 
who who folded it or who stepped up. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it was a combination of both. You could see Everett was uh, stuck uh, stuck in their zone a lot of that third period, just chipping the puck out, just you know getting it out. And and whereas in the first period, first half of the second period, it was the other way. They really were dominating the play and taking it to Swift Current. And, you know, I think I've seen enough Swift Current games this season. As a Pats fan, I'm kind of getting tired of it. I tried my hardest to be a, to get behind the Swift Current Broncos, and I'm sorry, everyone. I used to live there, but, boy, it's hard to cheer for the team that knocked us out. I've been trying, but, boy, I think my, I think we're behind Everett here. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I am for sure. So. Sorry to disappoint all the... Uh, I know everyone's saying, oh, it's a Saskatchewan team. It just doesn't... Yeah. I don't care, man. Just not Swift Current. <laughs> I would have been better with Moose Jaw. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. I think, uh, yeah. But here we are. I mean, Swift Current's got a monumental task going back. Anyone who doesn't know, they're playing so two and Swift, flying back together on the same plane, both teams, to Everett, playing three games there. And then if need be, they come back to Swift Current and play the last two. So yeah, it's, it's a little different than the Q and the O, doing uh, the, the regular format, 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. So it's kind of a unique thing, WHL, I think, or at least the last couple of years we saw with Regina and Seattle. Well, it's similar to last uh, last season. We lost the first game. Uh, we won the second game in overtime, mm-hmm. and then we go to, then we go back to Seattle for three. That's tough because you you want to take. That's two. a long. It's a long time to be away too. Yeah, you need to take two out of three because you don't want to be coming home, um, down three two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's what we did. Yeah, and you got to win two out of three on the road. That's that's gonna yeah. be tough. That is, it's a tough tough format. tough format. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, with travel and... They can't even fly into Swift Current, for goodness sakes. They got to fly to Regina. So you yeah. had the flight plus another... Couple hours on the bus. Bus drive. And, man, I I don't know how that plane... It's got to be... I mean, the, they, these teams barely know each other. And it was, it was getting pretty rough and chippy out there. Yeah, oh, for sure. So now to share a plane? <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully, uh, they got to be mature on there. But I imagine there's a bit of sportsmanship going yeah. on even yeah. on the plane i wonder who gets the front and the back yeah. well ever ever might be coming back and staying for a while you know they'll be packing for That's a true. couple of weeks yeah you know yeah they'll come if they yeah. if they can win it in swift they'll Hopefully. probably stay here yeah so. yeah i can't imagine no, be they like, wouldn't be uh, going home i wouldn't think so no no well we're pulling for them i don't know what the rest of the province but <laughs> yeah i think it sounds like a lot of people are cheering for swift but uh, yeah. not us not us <laughs> Um, we've had some chance to watch some of the, it's been good TV coverage, at least with the O and the Q a little bit on, uh, Sportsnet. Got to watch, uh, the first game of the Q, um, the Teton and Armada. I hope, God, for our sake, Teton doesn't win and having to sound like <laughs> some French guy. Yeah. We're trying to pronounce that. Or even the Armada's town. I don't yeah. Know, I'm yeah. Try to butcher that one. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty bad. Two Prairie boys trying to put on a French accent. Yeah. No, it was nice to see that on TV, and then uh, they both have TV coverage, so even if it's not on Sportsnet, you can you can find it out there on the internet, so we were you able to watch it. You can find it if you know where to look, Yeah. right? So. I imagine everyone has an idea. Yeah, so we got to watch the... I watched the first game of the O, so that was a, quite, uh, quite the game. Yeah, again, you know... Uh, Sue, yeah, I don't know, they're number one team, but Hamilton is very good. You know. We didn't get to see a lot of the Sue through the playoffs just watching scores and highlights and things like that but boy man they've been playing with fire yeah. this whole time they score with one second left zero yeah. it was like 0.1 second one time they scored yeah. left you know they just 
they're squeaking through, but they're so close to being on the other side of the the story. You know, good teams. How many? They went to seven with Kitchener, uh, double overtime. Kitchener, but Owen Sound took them to seven as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, as well. Right, so, like I kind of as much as we've got to see them, I kind of get the feeling maybe they're they're built like a moose jaw. They're really highly skilled, dominated the. Regular, the, season. Uh, regular season people were saying they're one of the best teams in chl history i think they're going to retract that after playoff performance here yeah and hamilton's rolled through the playoffs they've i think they've lost three and now uh their fourth one was in the, in the final here right like they so they rolled to that uh the eastern conference there they took game one in overtime they were yeah. up three nothing at one point again sue came back scored some goals um for hamilton to get the split in sue that's I mean, can't ask for too much more than that. Hopefully they can close it. I don't know why I'm saying hopefully. Again, I don't really have a lot in these teams, <laughs> bias or anything in these teams, but I, I don't know. I'm just one of those guys that seems to pull for the underdogs. the same time, would it be nice to see Sue when they're in Regina here, maybe pick up a game and see them play? I don't know. I guess you got to win though, right? Yeah, and the other series in the queue is 1-1 as well, so it's going to be it's yeah, all the, some good series here. All the conferences are tied up 1-1 right now. Um, good. So we will wrap up today. Once these, uh, championship finals get a little bit further on and end up, we'll try and get a, a preview. We're going to get some insight on, uh, on the O team. I think, I think we have a guest lined up and then, uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll give our two cents on, on the dub team and then, I don't know, the Q, see what happens out there and yeah. throw out some names for you because <laughs> I don't think we'll have any guest or real good insight on that one. Okay, thanks for listening. We'll watch the championship series here and get back to you guys with whoever comes out of those with a little bit of insight on them. And we're getting excited for the Memorial Cup. We're not far away now. It's uh, Hopefully the Pats are getting down on the grindstone, getting some good practices in, and they better be ready to fly here on that Friday night. Anything else you want to say? No, that's good. Uh... Again, follow us on WHL Patscast, and we hope to hear from you. 